It's Wired, the Pistons podcast, presented by Jeep. Here's your host, Matt Derry. And it's another week, everybody, of Wired, the Pistons podcast. Welcome in. Thank you for listening here on this Thursday into Friday. Pistons not back at it until Saturday night as the road trip continues. A big win Wednesday in Boston against the Celtics. Arguably the most impressive win the Pistons have had in a couple of years. 116-103 over the Celtics. I know Boston didn't have Jason Tatum, but the way the Pistons shot the basketball, Sekou, Svi, Markeith Morris, all with big nights. Derrick Rose as well. And the Pistons will continue their road trip Saturday in Atlanta at 7.30. And then an MLK Day matinee, 2 o'clock, in D.C. against the Wizards. Coming up on the show here today, Michael Scotto from BleacherReport.com, NBA insider, NBA info man. Love talking to Michael about all things NBA and all things trade deadline. We're getting more rumors, more reports today. Chris Haynes from Yahoo Sports reporting that the Pistons talks with the Hawks and Andre Drummond have uh, uh, have pretty much died. Um, certainly the Pistons are going to continue to look to bolster their team and do what's best for the organization. And right now kind of in a, a weird holding pattern with Andre, but regardless, the report today that the Hawks had offered a couple of players and a first-round pick to the Pistons, and that deal is at least dead for now. That according to Yahoo Sports. What does that mean for Andre Drummond? What does that mean for the Pistons? We'll talk about it with uh, Michael Scotto coming up momentarily here on Wired. Matt Derry with you, brought to you by Jeep. Thank you for joining me and listening. And uh, follow me on Twitter, by the way, and you can get a hold of me at Derry Speaks, D-E-R-Y Speaks, um, on Twitter. Before I get to Michael, very quickly, 15-27, and 27, and you'd think, looking at where the Pistons are in the ninth spot in the East, that it would be all doom and gloom, that it would be all... Uh, you know, rebuild, tear it down, worst season ever, all those types of things. I'm telling you, I'm enjoying watching the young guys play. It's like Derrick Rose and the young guys at times on the floor. And we saw the other night Andre Drummond benched uh, in the loss to New Orleans in the fourth quarter. But I'm enjoying what Sekou Demboya is doing, Svi Mikhailuk, Bruce Brown, Christian Wood, um, and and, and guys like that. And Derrick Rose is having an all-star season. He is. And, of course, he signed through next season, so there's not a 100% uh, must that he has moved at the deadline. I think if he was on a one-year deal, I think the Pistons would be ridiculous not to move him on a one-year deal to try to get a first-round pick in return. But it, what's crazy is 15-27 and 27 isn't a good record. We know that. It's been a disappointing year. It's been an injury-riddled season with Blake Griffin now likely done for the year and Reggie Jackson been out most of the season. Yet, they're fun to watch. And they're only four games out of the eighth and final playoff spot, which makes hardly any sense because Brooklyn's been struggling, and they sit at 18-22, and 22, only four games ahead of Detroit and ahead of Chicago. Now, the Pistons' biggest problem is, if you're talking playoffs, and, and, and again, it, that's a long shot, but the Pistons' struggles against the teams they're sandwiched in between in the East, Charlotte and Chicago, are almost unprecedented. I mean, Chicago wins three out of four against the Pistons. Charlotte sweeps the Pistons. I mean, it, it, it's crazy to think think how different things would be if the Pistons would have just beaten those two teams. But again, the emergence of Seku, the 24 points last night, the confidence some guys are playing with, it's fun to watch. And it's the front office and Ed Stefanski and, of course, ownership with Tom Gorse that have to decide kind of where this thing is going. But last night's win was fun. And... They shot the heck out of the ball, 
and shared the ball. And, and, you know, if Svi can keep doing this and Seiku can play the way he's been playing, there's definitely something to look forward to the rest of the season. Always enjoy my conversations with Bleacher Report's Michael Scotto, the NBA insider, uh, joining me right now here on Wired, the Pistons podcast. Michael, how are you? Hey, Matt. Pleasure to talk with you as always. How yes. about yourself? I'm doing all right, sir. Doing all right. Uh, a cold, chilly uh, Thursday in Detroit. And I know you're uh, in New York, but what's your take on where the Pistons are right now? Uh, I think right now, it's uh, now that we're at the halfway point of the year, um, certainly they're a team that's trending towards the lottery and a team that, in my opinion, uh, whether they want to say it or not, I think is trending towards a, a sort of a rebuild here. Um, you look at this roster overall, when when Derrick Rose has been probably, you know, and Andre Drummond also, but when Derrick Rose is your leading scorer, I don't think a lot of people um, would have put money on that in Vegas going into the year. And so uh, obviously the injury to Blake Griffin has been um, a catastrophe for this team and, and really um, set them back after making the playoffs last year. Um, but that said, you know, they have some younger guys who could prove to be rotation pieces for the long term. Uh, guys like Sekou and uh, even Christian Wood has stepped up and played nicely. Luke Kennard has done well as a starter when he's been on the floor. Um, I just think right now they're they're trying to figure out who is going to be a part of this core uh, going forward. And, and certainly you hear a lot of uh, trade rumblings about Andre Drummond. Um, which is interesting to me because he is only 26 years old. And, uh, you know, I know he's going to want a lot of money coming up in unrestricted free agency this summer. But considering that that is the case, if you do try and trade a guy like that, you're not going to get max value for him anyway. I almost wonder for the Pistons if it would be better to just try to re-sign him and then flip him. Uh, somewhat ironically, to what the Clippers did with Blake Griffin. When you look at the Drummond situation, um, you know, there's been the reports that Andre comes out and says, hey, I have unfinished business here. I, I never want to quit. I want to stay. Uh, then since the uh, trade rumors, he hasn't played all that well, and I think it's affected him a little bit. What I mean, do, do you think, can you put a percentage on where where you think this is going to head at the, uh, at the deadline this year? You know, I think it's hard because I really don't know – for a guy like Drummond, who's an all-star caliber center when um, he's got his mind right, I don't know how high of a first-round pick, if at all, the Pistons can get for a guy that could potentially be a rental. Now, you know, if you were a team that was maybe swinging for the fences, like, for example, I'm not reporting this. I'm just saying, for an example, uh, a team like the Boston Celtics, maybe. Yeah, he'd be a huge difference maker on a team like that, but um, it doesn't seem like a lot of teams are looking to move the needle. Obviously, the, there were the talks with the Atlanta Hawks and whatnot who have a ton of cap space, and they could just go after him in the summer. I don't think that there's an urgency for a team like that to try to trade for him now. It would be different if Drummond was a restricted free agent where you can then match uh, his salary if if he gets an offer sheet elsewhere, but that's not the case. Um, so him being unrestricted, it, it, it changes the dynamic of those talks as well. And again, to me, a guy that's 26 years old like that, that's a double-double machine, I think would be part of the solution, especially given the dearth of 
of talent at the center position in the league overall. Um, but, you know, with that said, I understand that the league is trending more towards perimeter orientated offenses. And, you know, when you have a, a center that's making a ton of money, it, it changes the dynamic of your roster. Michael Scotto with me from BleacherReport.com. Um, you mentioned before about Atlanta. You know, they got multiple first-round picks, and could there be the thought process with that team that they are so bad, obviously the John Collins suspension and, and everything else, but, hey, we'll, we'll flip one of those number ones and hope he opts in so we don't have to give him 34, 35, 36 million next year. Is that a, a thought process of theirs at all? Or, or, as you said, are they just thinking about, well, we can just get him in, in free agency if he opts out anyway uh, in the summer? My sense is that they would – I mean, look, obviously the deadline moves the needle for people and, and they have to make their decisions. But as of now, no, I, I don't think that they feel that urgency where they need to get uh, Andre Drummond right now and because that team has the league's worst record. If you get Andre Drummond now, how much better realistically would the Atlanta Hawks be for the rest of the season? In a way, in my opinion, it would be almost counterproductive because you're giving up an asset and your draft pick potentially could be worse. Um, you know, for a team like Atlanta, if you get a top five pick and you end up with James Weissman, for example, um, then you're saving yourself a ton of money as opposed to signing a guy like Drummond who's going to command way more money than a guy like Weissman on the rookie scale. So I, I think that that type of patience is something we've uh, – we've seen from Atlanta to this point, they believe that they have a nice young core in place. Um, they're trying to supplement it more with veterans that are going to help their younger guys develop down the road and, and, and be role players. Um, but obviously there is a connection with Andre Drummond and Trey Young. So you never know how that could play out in free agency. They are friends. And, and as you know, the, the players have a large say in free agency. You talk to so many people around the league, uh, agents, players, coaches, front office people. What's You mentioned before about D. Rose. What's been the chatter about him? And, boy, he's been unbelievable. No, Derek Rose um, has gotten a lot of rave reviews from any executive or scout that uh, I speak to when it comes to the Pistons. I, I think also for Detroit, you know, it's interesting with a guy like him because Derek coming in on a short-term deal um, – you know, next year, if they were trying to be competitive, I think you can make a case that he could be your starting point guard next year. Um, obviously, the Reggie Jackson experiment has not worked for the Detroit Pistons. I, I think anybody saying otherwise would be kidding themselves. And um, I, the thing with Derrick Rose is I just don't know. Like, if they tried to move him, what can you realistically get? Uh, for him can you get a first round pick because he's on a deal for this year and, and going forward after that maybe but it it's not going to be a high pick it, it's a lot of a lot of there are a lot of veterans on the market across the league you know whether it's a marcus morris or someone like that that teams that are in the playoffs uh in the playoff seedings that are going to have maybe a 20 to 30 pick or debating parting with it the flip side of that is in this draft class um you know and talking to any nba executive or talent evaluator it's really a top heavy kind of draft more the top five you have a, a good fit on and after that 
uh, it's totally up in the air. Um, you know, on one guy's on one team's board, a guy could be, you know, in the ten to fifteen range, right. and on another team's board, he could be thirty. Yeah. So that also throws everything out of whack as well. Michael Scotto, Bleacher Report. Uh, you mentioned the young players, and if there's one thing that Pistons fans can get excited about, it is some of these guys that have come out of nowhere. You know, Svi Mikhailuk, uh, a career high Wednesday night in Boston. Seku, same thing. So Dwayne Casey has got some young pieces, doesn't he, now to develop for the future? Yeah, and I think uh, one guy I don't want to leave out there, in my opinion, is Christian Wood. Um, this was a kid coming out of ULV that had a lot of talent, and I think he's finally starting to put it together and he's been very efficient in uh you know 17 minutes averaging about nine and a half ten points five boards um he, he's shown some nice flashes uh obviously they they're high on sake Seku after drafting him at the position that they did um he's going to be a core member of this team going forward all teams need shooting and a guy like Z certainly helps them in that department uh it's what he's been known for and he can handle the ball a little bit at times in a high pick and roll he's not just the typical catch and shoot guy um and then you've got obviously Luke Kennard who when he's healthy has shown that he can be a capable starting two guard and, and shoot the ball uh relatively well so they have nice um pieces on the edge I think for Detroit I think the big thing for them is going to be obviously they have to figure out Drummond and Griffin but if you're going to pivot away from that you then need to either find a franchise player in the draft or try to make a trade or or something I you know I don't see them necessarily signing a guy especially in this free agent uh class and, and going forward the Pistons have always operated more on um making trades to get players you know even going back to the chauncey billups rip hamilton teams and the the ben wallace squad so i think that's the biggest thing and and one other guy i would say you know in talking about trades i think langston galloway could help a lot of teams and maybe come at a lower cost for a second round pick um philadelphia jumps out to me as a team that makes sense a local kid who went to st joe's and the guy that can bring shooting to that team so i think i do expect the pistons to be active coming up within the next uh three plus weeks or so you used the word before rebuilding which has never really been used around here even going back to joe dumars who never believed in it uh, never believed in tanking um so maybe tanking more than rebuilding but the rebuild could be a lot faster if they make the right trades like you said and because bruce brown and canard and 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 you like christian wood those guys get an opportunity in seku and you're playing michael in the east where you could move up quickly just with a cup with a good summer and a good draft and a healthy Blake Griffin next year, right? No, absolutely. I mean, I thought coming into the year that this team, if Blake Griffin was healthy, had a chance to be a playoff team. Um, you know, what Blake did last year in Detroit was uh, remarkable. He he gave everything he had, and um, he embodied what a franchise caliber player would do. Um, you know, being an all-star and whatnot. I, I just think for the Pistons, obviously Blake's health is going to be imperative for them going forward. Um, the one, I think, concern, obviously, if you're a Pistons fan with Blake, him being a little bit older, um, you know, coming up on 31, I think that's why they're trying to figure out really if Drummond is going to be as much their franchise guy going forward or not because with Blake being 31 soon, you're going to have to slowly start to 
take the pressure off him. And Andre's shown that he can do that. But I think for the Pistons, the other thing, too, was even when they had those two guys in the front court, who was that third guy that could take them to the next level? The way the NBA has shifted now, a lot of teams have two star players. You look at the Lakers, the Clippers, you know, even the Brooklyn Nets now in the East when they get uh, Kevin Durant back next year. Um, that's kind of been the transition. So if the Pistons can get three really good players that are high level, you know, either B plus or A minus guys, they can they can make some noise, especially in the East where you know your bottom two seeds in the playoff picture are not even necessarily 500 at this point. What's your thoughts on Dwayne Casey with this roster and just kind of keeping all of this together? Like you mentioned, the injuries to Blake, to Reggie Jackson, Canards hasn't played in a while, uh, has been in and out of the lineup. It's not been an easy course for him to kind of direct the team, yet Dwayne seems very even-keeled and probably the right guy for this job, don't you think? I do. I think. I. I mean, look, Dwayne is is proven to be a, a capable coach in the NBA. Obviously, based on what he did with Toronto, um, you know, for him, I think for him, it's just what he wants in terms of the. You know, we we talked about it earlier. The phrase rebuild. No coach ever wants to hear that, um, especially a proven guy like Dwayne. So I could see him being even keeled and trying to obviously maximize this roster and. When you're in a position like the Pistons, the, the biggest thing for a guy like Dwayne Casey that he has to navigate is balancing, showcasing your veteran players who you're trying to trade and, and boost their value along with developing a young core. It's a very tough dynamic for any coach to juggle. I think so far um, he's done a good job with that. And as you mentioned of late, guys like Sekou and Savi. Um, have gotten more of an opportunity, which I think is important for the long-term uh, benefit of the Detroit Pistons. So I, I think Dwayne is, is navigating that well. And in the second half, I look for guys like that to get more opportunities. Christian Wood as well, and when Luke Kennard comes back. Because the Pistons really have to identify what these young guys are going to be for them long-term. And ironically, after winning in Boston on Wednesday, this team is not out of the playoff picture. In the East, you mentioned the the seven and eight seeds, and so it's kind of it's a weird spot for Ed Stefanski, the ownership, Tom Gorris, to to have to be in right now because you kind of set a goal, and the, you know you could rebuild and still make the playoffs as crazy as it is because that's kind of the way the East has been. Yeah, and I, you know, the Nets last year showed that. Um, you can try to rebuild, but also you, you want to take steps forward. The The one tricky part for the Pistons is, again, they have to decide what direction they're going. Because if you want to rebuild and tear it down, you can do that. The worst thing, in my opinion, to be in the NBA is to be teetering on the middle. Now, for example, within the East, you know, a team that I think kind of fits that bill or has over the years has kind of been the Charlotte Hornets. They've been a fringe playoff team, not – an elite team, not a not a bottom of the East team, but they've been kind of in that middle and sometimes on the outskirts of the playoffs. Um, and as they are right now, you know they're a, a game behind the Pistons, and, and and it never seems like they ever go all in one way or the other. And they've been stuck in this neutral position. I think for Detroit and for the fans going forward, if they see that they're trying to go for the playoffs, then 
Okay, that's one way to go. I don't know if that's the right way. I'd probably go more towards the other way in a rebuild. But I think if you give fans a clear direction of what you're trying to do, and I understand that like management and coaches are never going to say, well, we're just trying to rebuild a tank. But ultimately, you have to kind of do that and show your fan base um, what direction you're looking towards so that they can get on board. I think fans are knowledgeable, and as long as they have a clear picture of what's going on, they'll be fine. Final thing for Michael Scotto. Love talking to him from Bleacher Report. Best team in the NBA right now is whom in your mind? Huh, best team. I mean, in my opinion, I think it's still sh- – I, I know the Lakers are, are on a roll right now, but I think if the Clippers kind of figure everything out a little bit more and, and get a little bit better chemistry when Paul George and Kawhi come back, I think that they have the upside because they defensively can change games with Paul George, Kawhi Leonard, uh, Patrick Beverly. I love the energy Montrez Harrell brings. Um, to me, I, I know right now they're you know the fourth seed right now in the West, and, and that kind of shifts a little bit because you can go from there to, to you know as high as two on any given night. But I think by the end of the season, that could be the team that um, is is the best team in the NBA. Obviously, the Bucks um, have done well, but I think in the playoffs, it's a totally different game and. You know, Giannis is going to get boxed in and have to show that he can shoot. Middleton's going to need to step up. Um, I, I look at the Bucks and I wonder if losing Brogdon's going to hurt them in the playoffs. Um, I think it could. So, again, you know, obviously the Lakers are on the roll, but they need AD to stay healthy. That's, you know, been a big question mark on his career, um, you know, even dating back to when he was a Pelican. So, for me, when I look overall, I personally think it's the Clippers. I don't know if other people would feel that way, but that's my take. I just wish the national people would talk about the Lakers. They just get no love. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, uh, you know, it's funny. Alex, uh, Alex Caruso. Oh, geez. If he, if Alex Caruso was on, I don't know. The Pistons. The Oklahoma City Thunder, the Pistons. <laughs> right. I don't know if he gets as much. Uh, <laughs> but but you know what? That's how the league has always been. And, and you know, Matt, honestly, look at the New York Knicks. They get a ton of attention. They're obviously a big market team. It's just, it's just how it is. It's part of the territory with the NBA. And, you know, for the Lakers, it's better right now. For the Knicks, uh, not so much. Oh man, my guy Scott Perry. I, I feel for him. I'm I'm rooting for him. I just hope he survives this whole thing. I mean, it's it's a tough sell when you spend you know over seventy million dollars in free agency, and um, it obviously hasn't netted the results that they thought. Um, I will say that since uh, Mike Miller has come on as coach, they've they, they've shown improvement. Now, granted, that's marginalized because. It was pretty bad before the change, but, um, you know, the Knicks are another team that uh, when they got all these veterans, they thought that, you know, to your point about teams trying to compete for the playoffs, I think they felt that they could have an outside shot to to make the playoffs, and uh, that hasn't come to fruition. So sometimes, even when you're trying to not rebuild, sometimes you kind of walk into it. You know, I remember you think about years ago when the Bucks got Jabari Parker with the second pick. Now I know that didn't necessarily pan out, but going into that year, they had veterans on that team and thought that they were going to 
be on the fringe of the playoffs and injuries happen and they just bottomed out. Yeah. That's the other, that's the other thing about the NBA, you know, the health obviously plays a role and we're seeing that in Detroit without, um, Blake Griffin. When you, when you lose your best player, it's, it's tough. Michael, always a pleasure. A lot of fun. Thanks so much. Oh, my pleasure, Matt. Anytime. Oh, it's a pleasure to catch up with Michael Scotto from BleacherReport.com, NBA insider. You heard some of his comments there. Very, very interesting. And he likes, boy, Michael loves Christian Wood, doesn't he? And again, there are some young guys to build around here and, and move forward with. And as Michael said, if Andre Drummond's not back next year, and they're, look, Andre has said he wants to stay and he wants, he doesn't want to quit what's going on here. You wonder how good this team would be health wise, but the development of some of the younger guys, and again, the, the surprise of the first round pick, Seku Demboya, to be playing the way he's playing. Kind of, you do question if he should have been out there from day one, but I think the way they handled him in easing him in, then getting him into some G League games and playing him now, I think has been handled very well by the front office and the coaching staff. So, again, Saturday night, 7 30 for the Pistons and the Hawks in Atlanta. And then Monday, MLK Day at Washington, 2 o'clock start against the Wizards. Pistons will be back home next week. Wednesday against Sacramento at 7, Friday against Memphis at 7. And Saturday night, back-to-back against Brooklyn as the Nets are in town for a 7 o'clock start. Then the Cavs on Monday, so a four-game homestand after Monday's MLK Day matinee against the Wizards. This has been the Wired Pistons Podcast, brought to you by Jeep. Thanks to Michael Scotto. My name is Matt Derry. We'll talk to you again next week.